Welcome to the First Assembly podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message and find encouragement through the Holy Spirit. Amen. So if you have a Bible today, Colossians chapter 4, we're also going to be looking at a verse in chapter 1 as we, as I mentioned, conclude this series. Here the Apostle Paul, he's giving instructions to the church. He's calling them to to pray for open doors, to pray for open doors that they may proclaim Christ and that he may proclaim Christ. And he's calling them to a partnership of prayer and proclamation. And I I really believe that that's part of how God wants to bring joy to our, our city. And so he starts off in verse two of chapter four, with a call to prayer. He says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and be thankful in your heart. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities, your translation might say open doors, to speak about the mysterious plan concerning Christ or the mystery of Christ. And that is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response to everyone. And then Paul, as he began the book of Colossians in the first chapter, he was praying for them. And in verse 11, he says, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and the patience that you need. And watch this. He says, and may you be filled with joy. May you be filled with joy. I want to share a message with you this morning entitled Joy in the City. Joy in the City. We live in a great city the city of Calgary. How many people just love the fact that God has called you here, you've moved here, you were born here, you live here. We have a a great hockey team. We have a great uh, football team. (laughs) By faith, we have great teams. Um, We love everybody in Edmonton, but aren't you thankful that we live closer to the mountains than all of our friends in Edmonton? We live in a great city, and you know, if you've moved from either Vancouver or Toronto, I'm telling you, the freeways are great in this city. Some of you who have lived here your whole life and you complain about rush hour, you have nothing to complain about. We live in a great city. Somebody was asking me about this recently. They said, what do you love about Calgary? And so my typical answer is, well, I love love the mountains, and I love the malls, because we love our malls in Calgary. And when it's warm, what do you do? Let's go to the mountains. When it's cold, what do you do? Let's go to the mall. This is what we do. And between the mountains and the malls, we always find something to do. And sometimes there's somewhere in between that we end up. But this person asked me, says, what do you love about Calgary? We've lived here eight years now. And I would say, and I, I answered this person this way, the people. The people that I've met, the relationships that have come into our lives have been so rich and blessed and so many of you in this church that we have come to know and love and all of this congregation, we love you so, so deeply. Some of the friendships and relationships, these are the most meaningful things I think 
to me about living in this city. Paul is writing from a prison cell, and he had never been to the city of Colossae, but he had relationships. He had friends. He had people that were from that region, from that city that he was in contact with and relationship with. And God assigned him and uh, gave him a burden to, to write this letter to the Colossian church, encouraging them. A supernatural love for a city that he had never been to, but the relationships moved him. And as Paul was writing to the church in Colossae, he was writing to encourage them to build them up, that they would be built up, they would be rooted in Christ. Colossae was an important city, trade routes. It was a small city, but yet important. Like our city, it had the economy and it had culture and all these things. But it also had evil forces where that were pulling people into darkness and away from the gospel and even heresy, as we've looked at in these past weeks, that were attempting to get people off track, that the enemy was trying to get people off the message of the real, the pure gospel, the real Jesus, the pure Jesus, the, the Jesus that was first preached to them. And Paul's writing saying, I want to get you clear on Jesus, get you clear on the gospel, I want you rooted and built up in Christ. I want to help you practically how to live this out. And we've looked at that over these last number of weeks. He addresses the deception, which was a major problem, the false teaching that was, that was rampant in the church at that time. But Paul is writing, and he, he's saying in this passage today, is what we've, as, as we've looked at this passage, we've read these verses, he, he was saying, I care about you, and I care about where God has placed you, the city that you are reaching. And as you reach your city, I'm reaching people in my world. And as you are are in Colossae and you are given that opportunity, I'm praying for you, calling you on. And I'm also asking you to pray for me in the mission and the work that I am doing. I want you to be rooted. I want you to be grounded. I want you to be someone who is so full of Christ and so clear on the gospel that you are bringing joy to your city. As I'm in prison, that I am bringing joy to the people in my sphere that God has called me to. So his prayer in chapter one reflects that. He says that God would give them power, patience, and joy in the work. That God would give us, first assembly, each one of us individually and as a church, joy and power and patience in the work. And not to allow the enemy or the culture to steal the joy that they have found in Jesus and this true gospel message. In chapter four, then he asks them to pray for him. He says, please pray for me. As he proclaims, and he calls it the mystery of Christ, that they would live wisely then as unbelievers so that they would be on mission, that they would be salt, that they would be light, that they would be having an effect for the gospel with people who are unbelievers. Why? To bring this beautiful gospel message, this wonderful Christ to people's lives so that they could experience the joy that they'd experienced through knowing Christ. So whether it's Paul in a prison in Colossae or it's Calgary, prayer and proclamation of Christ, these are key to bringing joy to a city. And as we're entering into this Easter week, I want to call us to prayer and to proclamation. Paul starts off like this. He says, devote yourself to prayer. This word devote means to attend constantly to. It implies persistence. It implies fervor and energy. Like put some energy, put some focus on prayer. Devote yourself to prayer. 
Now, I think most of us in this room would say that we all have, this would be a growth opportunity. It used to be like when I was in school and the teacher, <laughs> the teacher would have, you know, the parent-teacher interview. They'd say, well, here's some, some challenges and some problems uh, that, you know, this child needs to work on. Today, they just call them growth opportunities. <laughs> nobody has problems. Nobody has challenges. We just all have growth opportunities. Okay. So, but we have, but prayer for us is a growth opportunity. Let's say that, Okay. And let's say that some of us are different levels of being consistent in, in our prayer life. And this is not to beat us up or to make us feel in any way guilty, but I think we all have room to grow in prayer. But Paul, Paul calls us, and he calls the Colossian church, but virtually th- through all that, through the calling the Colossians, he calls us too, right? So you guys get that, right? Okay, okay so, so we are responding then to the word of God in this sense where God is calling us to devote ourselves in prayer, especially this Easter week as we are moving forward in this. We're devoted to a lot of things. A lot of people are devoted to things like going to the gym. And uh, as you can tell by my athletic build, (laughs) not that devoted, but um, devoted to many things. Skiing, golfing. There's a lot of things that you can be devoted to. And all these things are bad things. But here's my question. Are we devoted as disciples of Jesus? Are we devoted to prayer? And can we be more devoted than we are? And if we were to be more devoted to prayer, as Paul is calling the Colossians to, as we respond to God's word, as God is calling us to today, what would that look like? What would it look like to move towards devotion? I think for me, I've been thinking a lot about this, and I've been feeling a call to, to prayer as I move into Easter week and as Good Friday is coming. I've, I've been feeling the Holy Spirit call me, saying, I, I want you to grow in this. I want you to devote yourself in a new way to prayer and in preparation of heart. You know, Christians traditionally have, have practiced Lent and, and other things like that. Some of you might be doing that already. But I think the principle is that we're called to think about the cross and to prepare our lives and to prepare our hearts. I want to call us to prepare for Easter this year, spiritually, as disciples. But I've been thinking about motivation because sometimes how do we motivate ourselves to be more devoted in prayer? And you know, to me, the most motivating thing is when somebody inspires us. That somebody is actually doing what it is that we want to do. Like we're inspired by people. We say, well, look at that person. Look, look what they're doing. And, and, and we look at their life and we see their fruit and we see, I, I want to be more like that, that we would be motivated. Not, not feeling guilty. Like, I'll never get to their, that. Or I'll never get to that level. I'll never be that good or whatever. Not, not self-condemnation, but motivation. That, that we would be inspired by, by someone. And I had a friend years ago, and I guess he was started off as more like an acquaintance, and he, and he, him and I were just really growing spiritually, and, and we talked about, let's get together, you know, every day, you know, this week coming up, and let's pray together and read the word together. And I remember kind of like, yeah, I could probably get together with you every day. I, I, I like you. I, I don't, you know, I'm not sure if you're my best friend, but okay. And I said, and so I kind of thought, I'll make it hard for him. So I thought, I'll tell you what, I was working in a restaurant. And I was taking a year off between high school and, and college, and I worked in a restaurant. I opened early mornings. So this early morning shift, there was about an hour before anybody really came. And so I thought, okay, why don't you come? The restaurant opens at 6 a.m. And between 6 and 7, there's barely anybody there, and we could just sit down and have coffee before it gets busy. So 
6 a.m. every morning. I thought he's going to say no. He's like, I'll be there. So he showed up. He was devoted. We sat down. We grew together. And not only was it that week, it carried on for some weeks after that. It was this person's devotion to grow together in God's word with me, driving across the city, going out of his way, that eventually this person became one of my good friends in life. We're still friends today. It was that devotion that inspired me. I've been meditating on this verse from Romans 8.34. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Think about that. Jesus, who died, who's risen, he is at the right hand of the Father. And he's praying for you. Jesus, here's the, here's, the, here's the point. Jesus is devoted to praying for you. Jesus is devoted to prayer. How much more motivation do I need than to join Jesus in being devoted to prayer? What an inspiration. And so I've written a prayer out. I'm going to post it on social media this afternoon. If, uh, if you wanted to pray this along with me this week. But I've, been, I've got it on my phone and I've been praying this prayer. And I, I wrote this prayer out myself. So it's not like C.S. Lewis or something like really amazing. It's just my, my heart. Uh, and, and, and I would invite you if you would like to or you could write out your own prayer. But this is my prayer that I've been praying as I prepare for Easter. Lord, I prepare my heart. As I prepare my heart this Easter season, help me to remember the price that you paid for my sin by dying on the cross. Thank you for forgiving me, for loving me, and for saving me from all sin and separation from you. And as you sit at the right hand of the Father, it's amazing to know that you are praying for me. You are cheering me on and calling me deeper. Lord, I'm humbled by your love for me. Help me to know you more that I might bear more fruit and bring more glory to your name. That's just from my heart, just my prayer. And I would invite you to pray that with me or write out your own prayer. But let's be about devoting ourselves to prayer. Because it is through prayer and proclamation that joy comes to the city. Second thing, Paul says, pray for open doors for the gospel. Open doors. Because as we pray, you watch God open doors. You watch God give us more and more opportunities. This last week in staff meeting, one of our team was, was sharing how some of them were out. We have a youth discipleship, uh, TYMS, that meets every week. And they were out at the mall. They've been going to the mall. And they've been sharing their faith. And, and a lady was in the mall and they had a word, a picture from the Lord, a supernatural word, a word of knowledge. And they went and they shared this word with her and a picture with her. And they prayed with her and she gave her life to Christ. And she was physically healed in her body. Just a couple of our, our youth leaders and our staff that were out in the mall and just sharing, looking for open doors, looking for open opportunities. And so Paul says, while you're praying for, for us and praying for us, we're praying for you too, but while you're praying for us, pray for open doors for the gospel. And Paul was saying, not only in Colossae, but pray for me as I'm in prison for open doors. Paul could have had a list, a long list of things that he could have asked the Colossian church to pray for him about. Like pray that the, the food is better in jail than it has been. Pray that I get out of jail soon. He didn't even touch all the problems that he was facing as a prisoner. Now, I believe that God is a, God is a jailbreaker. I believe in scripture that he is the one who sets us free from prison, whether it be 
actually prison or metaphorically prison in our lives or spiritually prison? How many believe that God is a jailbreaker and he breaks us free from chains and, and from prison? But Paul was not even praying. And it has happened. It had happened in the scripture. God does this kind of thing. But Paul is so focused on the people. Paul is so focused on the relationships. While he's in prison, he's asking the Colossian church, would you pray and and partner with me that, that I would be able to share this beautiful message of Christ, the mystery of Christ? Paul is taken up with this whole thing, mystery. We're going to look at that just in a moment. But he's asking them to pray. He said, I want doors to open here in prison. And I, I want, and I want people to experience joy in prison. And we know that Paul, as he wrote the book of Philippians, the epistle of joy or the, the letter of joy, that he was full of joy. He's so much joy as he's in prison. I think it's because of the relationships. It's because of the people that he was impacting. And he was so taken by the message of the gospel. And he's calling the Colossians on to be people devoted to prayer and to be proclaiming this beautiful gospel, that doors would open, that there would be opportunity to share the gospel with people. And he says, I want you to see open doors in Colossae too, because he's saying, he's saying, with, make the most of every opportunity, like be wise. He's, he's commending them and admonishing them and, and encouraging them to make the most of every opportunity in Colossae as well, to see open doors for the gospel. And so we need to pray for open doors. And then Paul says to proclaim the message of Christ with joy. This mystery, he calls it. This is incredible. Paul is taken with this whole idea of the mystery. This is the gospel. This is the message. This is Christ himself, the mystery of Christ. What is that all about? The mystery. Paul, not only in, in Colossians, but throughout Ephesians and other letters, he, he speaks of the mystery of Christ, this message, this incredible gospel, Jesus himself. And Jesus, he spoke of the kingdom of God, that the disciples, they, they would be the ones that would be able to grasp or get a revelation of the mystery of the kingdom. And as he proclaims it, he proclaims it with joy. Paul, he's captured by this idea, but it's not that it's the mystery. It's just he's got a bunch of questions about Jesus and he's trying to figure it out. It's not like a, a mystery that you solve or a crime story that you figure out. It's not that there's some actual answer to it. I think it's more of about the idea of getting a continual revelation of how amazing Jesus is and how incredible the gospel is. I actually think that's more what it's about. This mystery of Christ, like Paul's whole, like he's taken with this whole mystery of Christ, who he is. And so in Colossians, he calls the mystery of Christ. He says, here's what it is. The mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What a mystery that Jesus actually resides and lives inside of us. What a mystery. How can that be? Yet Jesus, and he talks about this in Ephesians, is seated in heavenly realms and we are seated with Christ in heavenly realms. So Jesus is up there. We're up there too. That's a mystery. How does that work? Because I thought I was at Costco last week. I guess I was in heaven too. I mean, this is why it's a mystery. It's, my, it's absolutely mind-blowing. And Paul's into this too. In, in Colossians 2, he says that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. In other words, Christ is the mystery. You can't figure him out. You can't pin him down. And this is bringing Paul such joy and passion 
because he's experiencing and he continues to experience greater revelations of who Jesus is, all the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That Christ, that all the, the, the Godhead of the deity dwells in Christ bodily, he talks about in Colossians, where it's like all of Jesus, like Jesus is in me, but I'm in him. And he says, set your mind on things above and early in Colossians, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now, watch this, hidden with Christ, hidden with Christ in God. That's a mystery. So Christ is in me, yeah, and I'm hidden with Christ in God too, and I'm in heaven and I'm on earth. Wow. Some of you guys are like, wow, far out. That's incredible. Wow. I mean, like seriously, like, what, like what's going on here? This is rev- but this is revelation. This is the mystery. This is the message. Like, it's not just Jesus died for you, forgives you for your sins. You can live a better life and, and maybe get to heaven one day. Although, how many are looking forward to our sins forgiven and we're going to heaven? But, 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 it's, but we can't just live on that level. There's so, that's, just, that's just the beginning. That's just tasting. That's just touching the surface of the mystery of Christ. And I believe the Holy Spirit is going to continue to help us to live this out. Because as we get this we just begin to live with greater joy. We just begin to live with greater passion. We're already saved. As Raph said, I think it was in this service, maybe it was the last service, it, it's all a blur, but he said something to the effect of, our sins are forgiven forever, once and for all. Like, that's it. Like, we're in Christ. And even days we don't feel like it, this is the mystery. I, feel, I don't know if I feel like I'm in Christ today. Well... You are. What a mystery. Okay, that brings me some joy. That brings me some life. That brings me some passion to proclaim this message of Christ with joy. Set your minds on these things above. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Wow. And Jesus' prayer in John, he's praying and he he says, Father, just as you are in me, look at this, Jesus is into this too. As you are in me, and I am in you, may they, in other words, his disciples, all of us, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So this is, this is a real key part of Christian living, is the mystery of Christ. And living in the tension of the beauty and the power and the joy and the incredible opportunity to discover more and more of God every day. You see, you have not even scratched the surface of Jesus and who he is, neither have I but I'm hungry to know him more. I'm thirsty. I desire more of the revelation. And whatever Paul was into, he just continued to get a deeper revelation of Christ. That's why he's saying, oh man, these Pharisees, these, not Pharisees, these false teachers, they, they, are, they are preaching this Gnosticism that you gotta do this and do that and then you can get more spirit and angel worship. That's not it at all. It's Christ. He is preeminent and supreme over everything. Like he's king the same way they were waving palm branches and, sh- and shouting Hosanna on that Palm Sunday. They were declaring Jesus as king. They still had no idea, even though they were getting a revelation of him as king, there was more to discover. There was more yet to come. And there is still more that Jesus is the king of all kings. And he is coming again, friends. And he is coming on a white horse. And he is riding with victory and fire in his eyes. And he is coming for his bride. And there is so much more. It's the revelation. It's the mystery. And Paul talks about in Ephesians that this mystery 
is through the gospel that the Gentiles are included in and, and that we share together in the promises of Christ. And so he's saying it's about, it's about bringing all people together in Christ. This mystery is Christ himself living in us. And because of Christ, he has made us brand new people and he has given us a new way to be human. This is the mystery. And, and Jesus is the great equalizer. This is what Paul's talking about in Ephesians. It's Gentiles, it's Jews, it's the great equalizer. And everyone in our culture is accusing each other of being racist and misogyn- misogynist. And, and we're, we're all at each other about being, we're all about, divi- how, here's how we're divided. And the gospel is this, is we're all together in Christ. Christ is the great unifier. He's the great king of all kings. He's preeminent and supreme. And, and Jesus, and Jesus is everyone Everyone's invited and included, male, female, every tribe, tongue, and nation. It's, we, we gotta get out of this mindset of our culture and get into the kingdom culture mindset where everyone is included. Everyone is loved, accepted, validated, valued, secure because of Christ, cherished, prioritized, forgiven in Christ. Everyone is included. And Jesus being the invisible image of God before time, he is the Alpha, the Omega. He's the one that conquered death, hell, and the grave. This preeminent, supreme Christ has included everyone. Galatians says, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ. You are all children of God through faith. Don't let the culture wars divide you, Christian. You're already unified in Christ. We're already equal. Look at this. For you're children of God through Christ, and all of you have been united with Christ in baptism, have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer, watch this, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free. There is no longer male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. There is no Calgary flames or oilers. There's, there's no, well, there's, well, there's that still, but, and now that you belong to Christ, you are true children of Abraham. Listen to this. And you are his heirs and God's promises to Abraham belong to you. This is the mystery of Christ, the message of Christ. And Paul says, I'm proclaiming this good news in chains. It's a mystery. It's incredible. And I want, I want you to be wise and, and, and look for opportunity and open doors to share this good news and pray for me that as I'm in prison, God will take care of all the other stuff, but that I would be able to impact people's lives here with the mystery of Christ, the message of the gospel. And this good news is better than any bad news around me. That's what Paul's saying. And let's remember that. That this message, this gospel is good news. And it's always better than any of the bad news around us. This is why we can, through the gospel, through prayer and proclamation, bring joy to the city. Next Sunday is Easter Sunday. We're not going to be influenced by the bad news. We're going to begin to focus again on the good news. We're going to begin to declare the good news. The good news is better than any bad news around me. I'm not going to be influenced by the bad news. I am going to be someone who prays and proclaims the good news. Next Sunday, as it's Easter, no matter what kind of week it is, no matter matter who may be upset, no matter what is happening politically, financially, relationally, no matter what is going on in our lives, socially or culturally, because Jesus died on the cross and rose again, there will be joy in the city. 
There will be joy in the city. Let our lives and our prayer and our proclamation welcome the king. Welcome the king as we wave our hands in praise and say, save now. Save a city. This mystery, this message, this gospel is incredible. As we move towards Easter, let's have our eyes fixed on Jesus. Let's devote ourselves to prayer. Let's experience the cross anew. Lord, take me to the cross. Lord, take me through the cross. Lord, take me to the grave. Take me to that place where you were buried. And Lord, take me to that place where I experience your resurrection anew in my life so that I can be a proclaimer. And like Paul is saying, pray for me and I'll pray for you. First assembly, let's pray for each other. Let's proclaim. Let's look for open doors. Let's invite. Let's share this good news. Don't let it just be a surface level. Yeah, it's good news. But let's get a fresh revelation of this beautiful gospel. And let's see joy come to our city this Easter weekend and beyond. Amen? That we would see people come to Christ. That we would see people saved. That people would stop us and say, what are you so happy about? Well, let me tell you. I've experienced my sins. have been forgiven. I've experienced Christ in my life. And not only that, but every day I experience him in a fresh way. And you can too. Leonard Sweet and Frank Viola wrote a book a number of years ago. And we'll have the worship team come back. Uh, Leonard Sweet and Frank Viola wrote a book. And um, title is, I can't remember the title. Doesn't matter. Here's the illustration. <laughs> he talks about how Jesus, he's so vast, he's like, he's, like, he's like the ocean. The ocean is essentially undiscoverable. To discover the depths of the ocean. I mean, there are creatures they're still finding that live in the bottom of the ocean. Like, oh, I didn't even know that creature was created or existed. I mean, it's like, it's like exploring space itself. And it's right here on earth. So Jesus is so, it's like, he's so vast because he's supreme. He's, he's above and over everything. And so Viola and Sweet, they, they talked about in this book that our, our lives are like, you know, when Christ is in us, our lives are like, like a bottle that's dipped in the ocean. And so the ocean's in the bottle. But the deep mystery is that the bottle's in the ocean. <laughs> It's like, we have Christ in us, but there's so much yet to discover in him because of who he is. And my prayer is that we would discover Jesus this Easter. I pray, my prayer is that your friends, your neighbors, our, all of our families, as we have opportunity, that we would experience this wonderful, beautiful Christ. And it would be an ongoing journey for the rest of our lives. I loved, I, loved it, I loved it today, too, with the kids up here. Wasn't that great? And uh, to me, the one guy that was, this one little kid, what's his name? He was Jesus. Innie. Innie was Jesus. And at the end, I love what Innie did. Innie gets out, and he's like, 
I'm the champion. <laughs> I saw that and I thought, yeah, that's Christ. He's our champion. Jesus, our eyes are on you today. Our hearts are pounding for more of you. We desire to know you. And as Paul prayed, Lord, we want to know you in the power of your resurrection and to share in the fellowship of suffering, becoming like you. Father, I pray for fresh revelation for every person in this place today. Lord, would you continue to reveal yourself through your word and through the power of your spirit to every one of us that we would fall in love with you, that we would be devoted to prayer, inspired by you, inspired by your example, but Lord, not just, not just inspired, but completely surrendered to your will in our lives. Oh God, we long to know you more. Deep inside, deep in our soul, we desire more of you, to know you more. Father, draw us into the wonder and the mystery of who you are, Christ in us, the hope of glory, that Christ, that you in and of yourself are the mystery. And we want to know you more and more. We desire to know you. Father, I pray that if there's anyone here today in this room or watching online, they have not yet surrendered their lives to you. Lord, today, by faith, that they would call out to you and in your grace and your mercy, you would meet them where they are. And as we reach out to Christ in this moment, we ask him to cleanse us and forgive us and come inside and we surrender our lives to him. We put our trust and our faith in the work of Jesus. We can be born again by faith. And so, Father, I thank you that you are working in people's hearts even right now, that people are coming to faith even in this moment. And if that is you, if you're online or in this room, we have a Bible for you. You can click next steps. You can come to the front at the end. We'll have a Bible for you. We'd love to help you on your journey. And so, Father, we pray that uh, you would prepare our hearts and move us closer to your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I would invite you to stand. We're going to worship one more time as we move into this Easter week. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message. We pray that you have received truth and have been encouraged. For more information about First Assembly, how to get connected, and to listen to our latest worship albums, please visit our website at www.fa.church.